0: means nothing to him. He uh, specifically, denotes the, uh, specifically denounces the gold standard and by implication silver standard as well and believes, superstitiously believes in irredeemable currency. And that is... Uh, the suggestion he makes that this is the natural order of things, irredeemable currency, gold and silver are finished. Say the gold standard, in particular, is uh, Keynes' word, Barbarous right. The uh, barbers' really. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, and. Uh, The uh, God-ordained monetary system is irredeemable currency because you can fine-tune, micromanage the quantity of money and once you do that, then you can prevent hyperinflation as well as deflation, as well as depressions and um, everything will be happy ever after. So, this was a completely false testimonial before Congress. But this gives me an opportunity, and actually I do it with great pleasure and do, do it g- gleefully, to go back to the ancient Greece, the g- Greeks, and it was Aesop. Could you put the name Aesop? was a great uh, teller of tales in ancient Greece and his tales survived and uh, you can uh, still buy them in bookstores and uh, there's children's edition, because all these tales are in terms of animals and uh, animals are animated and they talk to each other and do this and that, and that is very, very entertaining, but there's always a morale. There's always a message, and the message has the deep truths, which is worth thinking about. Now one of the tales, tale spelled T-A-L-E, because there's another tail, T-A-I-L, and we have to distinguish. So Aesop's tale is entitled, one of the uh, delightful tales of Aesop is entitled Tale Risk. Now, I'm sure so many of you are familiar with this, but please uh, allow me to recite that tale, because I, I really enjoy <laughs> <laughs> relating <laughs> And the tale is about wolves, in particular one wolf, which lost his tail, spelled Spalte- T-A-I-L. He lost his tail in a trap. The trap clamped, caught his tail and he was trapped. couldn't escape, but of course as he was getting hungry and it was cold and all that, he wanted to do something about this, but there's no escape from the trap except chew off his tail and left his bushy tail behind and then he was free to go. And this is what he did. So far so good, he survived, but when he joined the pack, a pack of wolves, he felt very, very uncomfortable because all the others looked at him. Something is wrong with this guy. What is this? don't say it too loud because he is very touchy on this subject so this was this made him feel very very uncomfortable and he decided to do something about it and this is what he did he called a meeting of all the evils and he started lecturing them what a useless and superfluous <laughs> appendage that tail is. (laughs) Look at me. I am perfectly happy, perfectly free, and there are all kinds of advantages that I don't have a tail. So I'm simply suggesting that all of you should get rid of your tail as well. Just follow my example. And, of of course, this took the other wolves by surprise until the oldest wolf started talking and he said, Well, my friend, you put a brave face on your loss. And you suggest that we should get rid of our tail to save your face. But if you had not had this unfortunate accident with the trap, confronting the trap, then it would never occur to you to make any such suggestion as this. So we see through your uh, uh, persuasion, trying to persuade us, and we are not going to follow you. So that's the uh, Aesopian tale on the tail risk. And just what a great wisdom it reflects is that indeed something very similar happened in history. What happened was that. the government of the United States through its imprudent fiscal policies and imperial design spending money all over the world on military, on empire building and all that by the year 1947 the American gold reserve reached its maximum. And ever after it started shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. It was less and less gold. And people were watching the American gold reserve and its declining tendency. And there were people who took the courage of predicting that this is not going to be a a happy outcome. Because there is a limit to it. At one point, this will create a problem. And indeed it did happen. The first time it happened was actually Uh, 1967-68. The British pound was devalued and after that the speculators moved their attention from the pound uh, to the dollar and started attacking the dollar and the uh, American Gold Reserve was just shrinking further and then um, the uh, well i don 't want to go through all the details, but there was also the London gold pool, and there was the agreement among central banks not to deal with the open gold market, but they would exchange keep exchanging gold among themselves at the official price of thirty five dollars an ounce, and whatever the open market price was, they would just ignore, hoping that the uh, temptation, uh, the central banks of the world will ignore the temptation of selling gold at a higher price in the open market, which they could get. And, uh, And they hoped that this would somehow stabilize the situation. It did not. So there was more and more and more speculative attack on the dollar until, of course, we are all familiar with this, 1971, in fact, it was August the 15th, 1971, when President Nixon, as the saying goes, closed the gold window. That's a euphemism because people were not allowed to say what called a spade a spade. And calling a spade a spade would have meant to say that the U.S. Treasury defaulted on its gold obligations. And that was the second time in history it happened. The first time was under a Democratic president, Uh, that was Roosevelt in 1933 when domestic gold obligations of the United States government were defaulted on. And that's 1933 to 1971. That's uh, uh, that's how long it took for the second Default to happen, and in that case, that was international, which was even more devastating. So, calling it closing the gold window is a ridiculous way of representing the fact that this was a default. And whenever there is a default, there are some inevitable consequences. One consequence is that the this honored paper goes to a discount and it will get bigger and bigger and bigger not necessarily along a straight line but with zigzags losing value until ultimately this dishonored paper goes to zero. It will be completely worthless. Now it may take several Uh, months several years several decades and in this case the dollar still has some value and we cannot uh, say when it will happen but we can all be certain that it will happen ultimately that the dollar will join the garbage heap of all the uh, dishonored papers, including the Assignats, the Mandats, the Reichsmark of um, uh, the, the German Empire, and uh, the Zimbabwe dollar is also there, and many others. Hungary, my own country, has the dubious reputation that its hyperinflation had not Greatest number of zeros following the one. (laughs) So it's a world record so far. I checked it, the Zimbabwe dollar came close but could not uh, beat the Hungarian record. But who knows, one of these days (laughs) what country will come up with a new world record. Anyhow, the... uh, uh, the point which we make here is that uh, the, uh, that's one of the consequences of a default, defaulting on gold obligations. And another consequence is that the usefulness of the currency is getting more and more restricted. So the Americans tried to do something about it because the uh, gold price was already ballooning after 1971. And as you probably uh, recall, uh, by 1980, the gold price hit uh, $800. Which was starting from 35, okay. So by the time it's 700 dollars, it's 20 times uh, increase. And of course, you add another hundred. And the, now there it peaked, and after that there was a decline. And uh, the more recent history is that. It fell as far back as something like $250 by the year 2000 or 2001, and then it started increasing again, and uh, that's now more than 10 years behind us. But presently, uh, the gold price is somewhere around 1600. What? 1663. 60, oh, exactly, very good. Uh, so, the response of the American Treasury was, or the American government was, to put pressure on other countries, twisting their arms, saying to them, look, You've got that useless appendage, your bushy tail. I mean, why don't you cut it off? I mean, it, it will be much easier. Your life will be much easier. This is just canes, uh, 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 barbarous okay. relic. A barbarous <laughs> relic. Your tail is a barbarous relic. you you are not superstitious, you are not barbarian, so get rid of your tail, cut it off, you don't need it. But you see, this was very transparent because the Americans persuaded everybody else, but they themselves kept whatever remnants, their one-time huge gold reserve was shrinking to, And they did not get rid of that. They kept it, but they wanted to. Uh, Other countries, they wanted to get rid of it. One especially shameful example to my mind, and I'm familiar with this because of my old friend who's died in in, uh, 2005, Ferdinand Lips, swiss banker and uh, the, what happened in the case of Switzerland, it was really, really shameful. I, uh, have, uh, I have difficulty finding the proper words how the Americans put pressure on Switzerland to start selling the gold reserve of the uh, of the national bank Swiss National Bank and uh, using blackmail, outright blackmail that the Americans had the power to ruin the banking, the Swiss banking industry which has been the envy of the world, through good times, bad times, war times, peace times. the, uh, The Swiss banks were the torch bearers showing the way how uh, good banking should be done and in particular uh, there were private banks in Switzerland. By private I, uh, I specifically mean unlimited liability banks because a limited, uh, there are private banks which are limited liability. And that's not the same thing. The real thing is a bank, the real thing is a bank which, the principles of which have unlimited liability. So if the bank fails, the principles can be sued for their personal fortune. You see, this concept of limited liability means that uh, The uh, principals isolate their private fortune. They just take it out and isolate it and say, okay, if the tail risk comes, if the really, really bad outcome happens and the bank fails, they can sue and... The creditors satisfy themselves what they find, but what we, the principals, took out is the limit. That's beyond the limit. But in Switzerland, there were old Swiss families going back to the uh, uh, Reformation and before. Uh, especially in Geneva, there were several of them, but i 'm sure in other parts of Switzerland as well and uh, and they were unlimited liability <clears throat> unlimited, so you could really trust these bags and I think the last one please uh, can I ask you uh Ve uh, hmm? yes. Uh, Somebody would be kind enough to recall this very recent story of that uh, uh, private Swiss bank which was forced by the Americans out of business. Weigelin. 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 Yeah, could you please? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. this is a very recent story during the past 2 months or so and and i think it's a real loss for the world that we we lost that bank and i i don't even know if there are any more unlimited liability banks around in the world but Uh, the tendency is that they'll be wiped out. So this is the tail risk. The really, really bad outcomes, the Americans were forcing the rest of the world to conform and they should get rid of their gold. The Americans themselves kept their gold. But all the others, including Switzerland and other countries. Now, of course, time have, times have changed, and now it's quite different because of the uh, Asian countries, especially China and India. Uh, the central banks of these countries have completely broken with the American policy, and and incredible thing happened in China. A communist government is encouraging uh, the subjects, the people, to start hoarding gold. I think this is uh, this is uh, incredible development, but it's true. Well, of course, I have uh, uh, grown up under the communist system and I never believed them and I would say sure the Chinese government can do that because if the crunch comes it can always force the people to surrender their gold. If if Roosevelt could do that in 1933 without uh, guns it was just enough to threaten people with jail terms and financial uh, penalties, then the Chinese government, of course, would have the guns too. The <laughs> gun point could force the citizens to surrender their hoarded gold. So I'm a little bit suspicious, but certainly at the moment this is a very positive factor that uh, one country can openly defy the American. Uh, gold policy, which is extremely stupid. It's just so incredible that with, uh, with all the scientific research and um, uh, knowledge and accumulated wisdom at their disposal, they could not come up with a better gold policy. And in fact, they would rule out I mean, the American uh, universities had uh, serious departments, uh, highly respected departments of economics, as recently as 1940, 1950, which was well after Keynes. I mean, Keynes died, after all, in 1947. And at that time, American universities were still teaching good, solid, monetary economics. And then, of course, what happened was that the Federal Reserve started dropping uh, dollars to the academic community, bribing people, bribing young, economists with a fresh degree, and they say, well, work for us, sing our song, and then you'll be well rewarded. You'll get extra stipend from us. These are the research departments of the Federal Reserve Banks. There are 12 of them all over the United States, and they have money to drop from a helicopter. And they bribed the people, and as a consequence, all the output, all the output on research, monetary research, were singing the praise of the uh, irredeemable currency system, which was very, very distasteful. And shameful, because the elder, the old generation of the old line economists who, who knew better, who uh, studied and did research in monetary, in real monetary economics, they didn't accept bribes, and they died out. They had to retire and eventually died. And then a brand new generation. Took over who were paid off. It's not just money but also perks such as out-of-turn promotions or foreign trips or tours of duty at various federal reserve banks which was, which was a point of honor which was very prestigious if somebody was invited to spend a year or two at one of these uh, Federal Reserve Banks. And uh, their they research um, is, is, is stinking, to say the least. It's rotten. It, it is the product of bribe. And what really happens is, and I'm saying this uh, in full knowledge of what I'm saying and taking full responsibility. It's all dressed up with mathematics, which is a closed book to most people because they don't know any better. And they, but I. I'm a professional mathematician, and I can testify and te- say this to you in um, uh, full knowledge of my responsibility. And, uh, that this mathematics is just a j- mumbo-jumbo to cover up the fact that uh, uh, this research is mathematically worthless. It's just a smokescreen to hide the shallowness of the thought, and I even tell you why I why I say that. Because what happens is that they this re- this type of research pretends that there are differential equations which can be used to predict the future, just like in physics, in mechanics, in electromagnetism, and other branches of physics, a differential equation gives you the outcome which is happening with the force of scientific law. There's just no way to escape uh, from the force of these laws. So the differential equation is a language which describes the cause and the Now, this is certainly a valid principle in physics. Why? Because the objects are inanimate. The objects are like molecules, atoms, or subatomic particles like electrons, protons, neutrons, and name name as many as you can because uh, the list seems to be endless. They are inventing more and more of them. But these are all animates, inanimates. They are uh, not living. They do not have free will. Now, by contrast, the objects of... Economics or subjects are human beings which are not inanimate objects, they are living creatures, moreover they have free will and there's no differential equation you can dream of which would predict how a human individual with free will will react. the forces. Now they say, okay, we apply, uh, pull this lever and this will increase wages or decrease prices or do this or that and that, and then a differential equation will predict how individuals will react to this change of force. There are no such differential equations, period. And this is just as simple as that. It's a completely false uh, idea that human beings with free will. Now of course uh, they say but human beings are not important. The important things are uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, Conglomerate Aggregates. Aggregates? Yes. Uh, uh, Groups of Uh, people. And they will, they follow this. But this is not true either, because you have to look at the individuals who make up that group. And they are not stupid. And when they see through, they are not going to do what the theoretical. why I think I'm greatly overstepping my time. So, so I I will stop here and then we'll continue okay. after this. So we'll we'll break for five minutes, fifteen minutes and be back here at eleven twenty five. Okay. Thanks <laughs> Professor.